Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 57 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me tonight is my partner in crime and co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you tonight, sir? What in the fuck did we just We watched, um, I think, what could safely be classified as a failure of epic proportions. Oh my god. I I was doing great tonight, Larry, until that main event and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but yeah, let's talk let's Before talk Before we jump this into show. that real quick, I wanted to know do you have any thoughts on Friday Night Smackdown debuting on Fox? Uh I love the segment with the rock because I'm a mark for the rock and uh he's awesome and he put Becky over, which is nice. Corbin, whatever, he doesn't. I can bury that guy. Uh the Kofi thing was disappointing to say the least. I'm totally cool with a flash like pinfall off of a finisher like that. The problem is there's like no protected finishers in WWE and in a lot of wrestling nowadays so you know like rollins is kicking out of multiple braun kicks out of multiple cena triple h like literally everyone kicks out of multiple f5s maybe balor and and brian didn't but those were after long matches so if if brock's finish had been protected more it would still would have been a disp- disappointing result as far as just a quick match like that but at least it would have been like oh shit like flash flash knockouts happen in real fights so this can be like a flash finish type thing it would have been fine the fact that his finisher hasn't been protected i was like all right well this is just stupid and i, I felt bad for kofi because yeah his run hasn't like lit the world on fire from an in-ring standpoint but his character work um and the feuds have been good leading up to the actual matches and i thought they, they was gonna have a, a good match i thought it was actually gonna be the best match of kofi's uh, run and you know he lost in five seconds i think he's faced brock lesnar twice now and maybe gotten like a strike in offensively i don't remember him doing too much in beast in the east either so uh yeah poor kofi um and kane velasquez is uh sure and WWE's Nuki is MMA running wild in wwe now. in 2019 um i thought in a vacuum in terms of delivering a newsworthy debut show on fox that it was good because you had the rock there and the rock segment delivered big ratings and everybody was happy to see the rock back. Uh, I thought the women's tag was good. Um, I thought that the title change was the right call, but like, like you said, I wish Kofi would have got something in because I did feel bad for him, but I do also think that the title change needed to be done. We talked about that to death over the last few weeks, but here's the problem overall. WWE continues to book themselves into a corner and continues to leave themselves open for things like AEW. And again, we will talk about that at the end of King of the Ring. Because when this show was over, Jeremy, who were the big stars? The Rock, Tyson Fury, Brock Lesnar, and Cain Velasquez. They were the big stars. 
Uh, and yeah, yeah, for people sure. People are going to do this big dance all the time. Let it play out. Brock's a big star. But they fall back on him every single time because of the fact that they haven't built any new stars. People blindly defend the Brock thing because they 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 see him as a star, but Brock really hasn't moved business a ton, okay? And one of the biggest reasons we don't have new stars has been Brock has been here for seven years. He's beaten Styles, he's beaten Brian, he's beaten Rollins, he's beaten Kofi, he's beaten Moxley, he's beaten Balor, he's beaten Braun, he's beaten Joe, he's beaten Reigns. They've all been fed to him. Rollins ended up beating him, but he had to do it the first time after a low blow. The second time we really didn't need. Reigns only beat him after failing. And then of course you have the fact that like Triple H was allowed to beat Brock, The Undertaker was allowed to look like a star against Brock, Goldberg beat Brock, and now Kane looks like a superstar more than anybody else on the roster against Brock. So that is the continued hole that they dig themselves in. So the thing is, is like next week, you're not going to have The Rock. You're not going to have 4 million people watching a segment because The Rock isn't going to be there. And then there's other things that annoyed me, like the fact that and I didn't want this to be an overrun nostalgia show. Please don't get me wrong. But I'm so sick of the card subject to change crowd defending the fact that they advertised Steve Austin. And after they advertised Steve Austin, ticket sales and secondary market prices went up. And then he didn't appear on the show. They advertised Sting and Goldberg. And they didn't appear. Sting was like on the pre-show at one point. They showed Goldberg hanging out. Foley and Flair were advertised. They were in the crowd. And Hogan, they were in the crowd for a couple seconds. So if you're not going to use, like, and Taker as well was advertised and apparently told he wasn't needed. And again, it's fine. I don't want an overrun nostalgia show, but don't tell a bunch of people that these fuckers are going to be here and then don't use them. Seems extremely disingenuous. I I think, like, I actually didn't mind because we we talk about it all the time. I'm not going to you know, bury the company for everything is nostalgia when they do like raw reunion. And it's like, yeah, this is why you have no new stars. Like you have Steve Austin and all these guys closing out the show. And and that's what you remember. And then, you know, also bury the company for why didn't you use these guys? I thought using like Hogan, Flair, Goldberg, just having them shown up in the crowd and whatever. Like I thought that was fine like that's a fine use of them they were on the pre-show they were on the red carpet thing like you know we've gotten used to when WWE advertises um these people you just expect them to do these segments and i think it's good that they kind of went away from that and like hey we're gonna advertise them but maybe don't expect so much maybe they are just gonna be in the crowd and i think they could actually maybe it is disingenuous but they could actually boost something if you're just going to advertise them in a press release and you know they're gonna be there like trish stratus is gonna be at raw and she's just in the crowd or a backstage segment or something and hey she was at raw they're not technically lying um the the undertaker thing was definitely weird because i think we all expected like him just showing up in the crowd would be kind of strange so i think we expected more out of that and the, the same thing with austin um but they delivered the rock and i actually don't think you're, you're right in that you know, the biggest stars were Rock, Tyson Fury, Kane, and Brock. And those guys are part-time at 
the very best. Like Rock's not coming back for years. Tyson Fury is going to work one angle. We'll see what happens with Kane. Um, he might be a Ronda Rousey type thing. And if they could lock him down with that, I think that would be great. And Brock's going to be part-time. Um, but they didn't over-rely on nostalgia. And I, they did build stuff well. Like Becky looked like a star in the Rock segment. The four horsewomen tag match accomplished something. Uh, the Fiend at- attacked Seth Rollins. Like that accomplished something with their match. They they did the big angle with um, Roman and, and Rowan. Like so they did something there. Like they actually put something into the show and, and got some buzz for Hell in a Cell. Granted, they'd only match uh, or announced three matches at this point, but they built all three of those matches very well. And if you were tuning in for the first time, you may have been like, oh, hey, like these people are pretty popular. They're putting a lot into them. I'll watch this Hell in a Cell show. And then you watch the fucking Hell in a Cell show yeah. and you're probably and never again, watching I agree wrestling with you. I'm, again. I'm glad it didn't become an overrun reunion special. But I just think, like, especially the, the, the Austin and Taker thing is what really bugged me. Because they were pretty heavily advertised. And then you just didn't do it at all. Like, they weren't even in the crowd like the others. So it's like, like I said, it's more of a disingenuous thing. And it goes back to what we talked about like a month, a couple months ago when they were constantly promising things on TV and then not delivering it. And it becomes a point of frustration and a point of, I can't trust this promotion for a lot of people. And I think that's a really bad message to send. Yeah. Wait till oh, we talk yeah. about the main event. They did far more damage with with that than advertising these uh, Undertaker and Austin. I mean, they advertised them in a press release. It's not like they were super promoting that these guys were going to be on the show. And they were part of the show. Not the Undertaker. The Undertaker was the super weird one. Um, Austin did the little video package, though, and he was part of the, the blue carpet special. Um, so, like, they were technically kind of on the show, but the Undertaker one was a weird thing. And I didn't put too much stock into that press release because, as we've said, like, sometimes they just promote all these people and then they just show up in a backstage segment and it's like, all right, like what, what was the point anyway? I would just rather them be like in the crowd. They were there to celebrate the 20th anniversary of SmackDown. That doesn't mean they have to get involved in a bunch of shit. Like we just saw a segment with Hogan and flair. We, we just saw Austin at the raw reunion taker. Honestly, I, I don't care if he comes back ever again. It, it's super weird to, advertise them and not deliver but that one didn't bother me and you got the rock segment so i wasn't as bothered by that i was far more bothered than fair enough bullshit but like i said i just tonight. think you have to be very careful with um breaking the trust of your audience they fucked that up uh, I, they way have, before but again, now, it's like a honestly. continued thing and i just think you, you can't be doing that i don't care what company you are i i completely agree with you i think I I fully realize that I'm on the side of grading on a WWE curve almost because they do so much stupid shit that you're just kind of numb to it at this point. And, and like no one in the company has credibility. And so you just become numb to the fact that they just don't deliver on some of this stuff. That That's where I'm at right now. I'm numb to it. I will talk about it. I, I will tell you what I like and what I don't like. At the end of the day, like I may sound angry about it, but I'm honestly just 
I'll forget about it once we stop recording this. It's completely okay, numb on WWE right now. As long as you right off with that Saudi money, we're okay. No, I'm ROH. Are Shane Taylor uh, Promotions paying you off now? So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so exactly. D- Jeremy, WWE Hell in a Cell 2019, the Mystery Vortex pay-per-view with four matches announced going in, and then they added a bunch of random bullshit and some rematches. Heading into the pay-per-view. Pre-show, we started off Natalia versus Lacey Evans again. Uh, Natalia defeated Lacey Evans in a perfectly okay match via submission, which felt like a waste because you've been working this feud for weeks on TV, which seemingly was to rehab Lacey Evans after her failed uh, title program with Becky Lynch. And then you get here and you pull off and just... Another fucking two-star special. Natalia wins. I just hope she's not going to end up getting a title shot again. And this was all to set up a apparently a last woman standing match on Raw. So another match between these two. Look, I didn't watch this match. Um, I, I did not care about this match. I wasn't going to go back and re-watch it. Uh, whatever. They're, they're doing a last woman standing match on TV. It's complete 50-50 nonsense. And hopefully, um, maybe Lacey will win the, this last woman standing match. And she'll look sort of strong, but not really. Because you could have just ended the feud with her winning on Raw. Yeah, it's you saved dumb. nine and a half minutes of your life. So the pay-per-view proper started off with the Raw <laughs> women's title Hell in a Cell match. Becky Lynch defeating Sasha Banks 23 minutes and 40 seconds via submission. Jeremy, your thoughts first. That was great. Uh, that like this. This is what I want. They they use creative spots in the Hell in a Cell, like Sasha sitting on the the table and or sitting on the chair with the kendo sticks uh, wedged into the Hell in a Cell, and Becky hitting that drop kick, the Meteora into the ladder on the outside was cool. And they, like they they just did a lot of uh good spots here. There was the right intensity. Um, you know, both women are very good. Like they're probably the two biggest stars in the company right now, I would say. And so they came out there and they delivered an excellent match. Becky winning was definitely a surprise. I think we both had Sasha winning and then Becky being on SmackDown since she's been heavily promoted, um, uh, throughout. But I, it also makes sense that like you just put Becky over strong with this segment on the rock. And so beating her, Almost comes off a, a little bit weird, but it would have done more for Sasha. I, I think Sasha still should have won, but I'm not like mad that Becky won. I, I this was by far the most, the biggest win of of her title run, and she needed a win like this as well because her title run has been pretty flat up until this point. So I'm fine yeah, with Becky winning. Uh, I, I love this uh, great opener here. I thought the match was a uh, really great brutal and plunder filled brawl. Played off the established feud really well. I thought the pacing was really good. I like the innovative spots, which is not easy to pull off after like 40-plus Hell in a Cell matches that they've had. So I really appreciate that. Um, I was definitely surprised by the uh, the Becky Lynch win. Uh, pretty decisive win at the end. But a great, great match overall. And the pay-per-view was off to a very good start. I was happy. 
Exactly. Next Just up wait. was the Tornado Tag Team Match. Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan defeating Luke Harper and Eric Rowan just under 17 minutes via pin. Uh, personally, one nitpick aside, I would not have followed the Plunderfield Hell in a Cell match with another Plunder-style match because I think it kind of takes away from the impact of your second match. But with that being said, I thought it was really good and a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan picked up the big win and even shared a hug after the match, Jeremy. I'm with you on the the order here. Not would have been better if it happened a little bit later on in the show. I like the decision to go to a tornado tag and, and kind of no DQ style because it allowed for it allowed everybody to shine a little bit more. Not that they couldn't have shown uh, in a tag team match. You know, you get the heat on Brian. He makes a hot tag to Reigns, runs wild, and it, it probably works. But in this way, the the Bludgeon Brothers or Harper and Rowan, whatever the fuck they're going by, uh, they could kind of toss them around a little bit. Reigns could hit some some big spot like the the spear through the table and stuff. And I mean, Daniel Bryan is is just great no matter what he does. The hug, sure. I don't know if it's actually gonna go anywhere. Like this seems to be the conclusion to the who tried to murder Roman Reigns storyline, and like it was a good match to to end everything. But what a, like, just a dumb payoff to everything. Like, this is what you set up. Just Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan against Harper and Rowan. That like that was your big conclusion to this whole angle. Yeah, it just feels very underwhelming. I wouldn't say it's quite over yet because they did pin Harper. So, I mean, they could continue Rowan and Reigns in some form or Rowan and Bryan if they wanted to. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, it did feel like a flat ending, but I did enjoy the match. So, again, we were off to a quality start. Don't want everybody to think we're automatically going to dump on the entire pay-per-view because that's not the case. It was a good start. Seth Rollins... We're not because part of the pay-per-view was Seth very Rollins good, cut a really bad promo about. talking about facing the Fiend tonight and said he planned to survive and burn it to the ground. At least I hope so. Hey, you burnt it to the fucking ground there, Seth. Good job. I didn't. <laughs> I, yeah, it wasn't like a great promo. I didn't mind that the whole, like, at least I hope so thing. I, I, I don't mind the self doubt because we've seen for weeks, like he's been scared of this fiend guy. I, that that's fine with me to continue that up instead of him like trying to be like ah fuck it I'm not afraid of him and all this stuff like dude you were cowering in the corner a week ago like you, you're clearly afraid so the self doubt is fine the problem I have with it is like you just beat Brock Lesnar you should have some type of confidence like he just comes off as a weak champion in this and like that's probably not how you should have your champion being like it's okay if people cower from the fiend i don't think that's how you should be presenting your world champion who has beaten brock lesnar twice and and that like that is just one of many issues we had by the end that, of I just, uh, this I match like feud. some fucking baby face fire man you're about to go into hell in a cell against this monster and like you said he he's beaten brock he's beaten braun Strowman. just give me a little something you know I'm okay with the self-doubt as well. I just didn't think it was a good promo. There was nothing to make me care. Yeah, I mean that like that's completely fair. I I just didn't mind the the self-doubt and I think it came off better than the usual. Like I wouldn't have believed him 
if he was just fiery baby face Seth Rollins. Well, let's be honest, Seth Rollins sucks as a baby. Well, then he's just he's not, not a good, good promo at all. Really isn't. That that's also he's he's not he's not a very good promo. I guess I think some of his heel work is fine, but I'm not like some of it. He's a much better heel than he is a babyface. But I can't tell you like a good Seth Rollins heel promo. The the problem is I can't tell you like a good WWE promo in God knows yeah, how long, to be honest with you. Uh, we moved on. We had a Randy Orton versus Ali match that was set up backstage. Randy Orton, of course, defeated Ali. 12 minutes and uh, 10 seconds via pin. Jeremy, your thoughts? People were excited because it's like, oh, Mustafa Ali, everyone loves him. And Randy Orton, I guess they're caught up in what he does on Twitter and Twitch, which don't keep up with what he's doing on Twitch, getting himself into trouble there. And then it's like we've talked about with Randy Orton. I I gave up being excited with him after SummerSlam because he's going to work the Randy Orton match. And in this case, like you knew he was going over because they're not putting Ali over Randy Orton. It was a fine match. There wasn't anything wrong with it. It was just every technically good Randy Orton match I've ever seen with a good finishing stretch, but the wrong finishing stretch because Ali should have won after that counter on the RKO. That crucifix pin should have been the end. He should have, you know, gotten one over on the veteran who was a little bit too cocky and, you know, Ali wins and then sure, Orton can beat him down the line and, uh, you know, when he's taking him a little bit more serious, but then they do a third match and Ali wins that to, to really cap off the feud and put Ali over. Instead, Orton just wins and Orton gives him the like, good try, scamp. A uh, little respect yeah, thing, all that was missing and we'll see what happens. Him, like rough on his hair. Good job, little feller. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like it was yeah. pretty good, um, but it was just severely lacking in overall crowd interest. Uh, yeah, the RKO counter was really cool, and but for the most part, it was your basic Randy Orton match. Slow, methodical table spots on the outside hits the RKO, and again, we're not building stars. Nope. Randy Orton. The uh, women's tag team titles were on the line next. The Kabuki Warriors, actually on a pay-per-view, defeated Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross 10 and a half minutes to become the new champions. Uh, I thought this was actually good. It was the most enjoyable women's tag title match for me in a long time. I liked the Kabuki Warriors uh, leaning heel towards the match, uh, which led to the payoff at the end as Asuka hit the green mist on uh, Nikki Cross and a head kick and pinned her to win the titles. Jeremy, your thoughts? When they announced this match, it was, you know, one of two things was going to happen. Either they were going to put the belts on the Kabuki Warriors and try to, like, shine them after months of doing literally nothing with them. And, you know, because they like to do that kind of stuff. They they do nothing with somebody for a long time, and then they put a title on them, and they try to make it seem like it's a big deal when it's really not. Or they're just going to beat the Kabuki Warriors and, and further bury them into nothingness. The... They they chose the first option, but the fact that uh, the Kabuki Warriors did some heel work and Asuka used the green mist at least gave it um, a little bit more purpose moving forward. And it didn't it made it feel more than just, hey, here's your titles because we haven't done anything with you. And now we'll, we'll try to do something with you and get the crowd behind you. Uh, so by actually give like 
pretty much turning them heels and then doing a, a green mist, it gave it a little bit more than maybe I, I definitely thought it was going to be when it was first announced. So I enjoyed this match, and they, they did the most with what they could. Um, yeah, so again, again, the pay-per-view is not horrible at this point. And then it started going off a cliff. The Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman defeated the OC at 8 minutes and 10 seconds via disqualification for kicking too much ass. Because the OC beat them up too much, so they lost. This was one of those, for me, an okay tag match with a shitty finish. Worked with all the enthusiasm as one of those 10.30pm Raw matches you get when nobody cares. The worst part to me was is you're setting yeah. up Braun for this Tyson Fury thing. Why didn't he just win? I mean, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, God love them, they're right there. He didn't have to beat AJ, and I don't care about the post-match angle where he quote-unquote knocked out AJ Styles. Why isn't Braun winning if you're apparently setting him up for a big match against a quote-unquote mainstream sports star? I'm with you. Once Braun was announced as the mystery partner, I think we all thought it was going to be like Ricochet or Cedric. That's just who made the most sense in that spot. But once it was announced as Braun, I was like, oh, that makes sense. He's got this big thing with Tyson Fury. He'll he'll pin Gallows or Anderson. And, you know, they'll they'll put him over in some way. And it's like, nope, they're doing some DQ finish. And, yeah, he knocked out AJ and put him on spaghetti. I mean, he was knocked out and then he was spaghetti leg, uh, walking to the back and everything. And like, that's cool. But I guess it, like wins and la- losses don't actually matter. So like, who cares that he didn't win? He, he, he stood tall in the end and he, he hit his little punch. So oh, of course, that's what really matters. Movies, Jeremy. It's, uh, it's all about the story. Fuck the wins and losses. Anyway. Yeah. It was a, uh, first in the line of uh two star specials here. Uh, we had a bunch of bullshit with the Street Profits. Carmella lost the 24-7 title to Tamina. King Corbin arrived, made a bunch of short jokes on Chad Gable. And then we had King Corbin versus Chad Gable. Chad Gable defeated King Corbin 12 minutes and 40 seconds via pin. Jeremy, your thoughts? It was fine. Um, I, I fully admit I didn't pay much attention to this match and the crowd didn't seem to care about this match either but there was nothing wrong with it like gable's good corbin works fine to that level gable winning is is good and then you know corbin gets his heat back after the match anyway and they're they're going full bore with this shorty gable shorty g nonsense like that's stupid and dude this guy's just he's charismatic and he's a great athlete and he has a great look Okay, he's short. That shouldn't be a thing, but it is in the WWE. Yeah, I love that the defining characteristic of Chad Gable has nothing to do with his skills, his physique, or the fact that he's like a former Olympian. It's that he's short. And the thing is, is there's no fucking subtlety with it either. They just hammer you over the head with it from Corbin to commentary to the backstage interviewer. It's not good. You're not building a sympathetic baby face. The match was okay. It felt lethargic. It lacked heat most of the way. It was nowhere near as good as their King of the Ring finals match. And the win really means nothing because Corbin cost himself by getting the scepter. The ref took it and Gable gets one of those shitty roll-off distraction finishes. Bad. 
Yeah, that's true. Moving well. on, SmackDown yeah. Women's Championship. Charlotte defeated Bailey at 10 minutes and 10 seconds via submission. Another okay two-star special with fine work, but no sense of urgency, no drama. And Charlotte again winning another championship because she's Charlotte. Yeah, it wasn't... Like, it was whatever. Charlotte won, and they're, of course, going to stick with her because, you know, they're on Fox now, and, yeah, that's, like, that's their call. So, sure. I I didn't have much to say about this match. It, It wasn't anything special, and Charlotte just... She wins because, as I said, they're, like... She's going to be the top star on Fox, at least on the female division, especially if they're not going to bring Becky over in the draft. And it just feels so normal, I guess. It, it, it just feels predictable and just unimaginative, I guess is the right word. And the post-match thing with Bailey crying and throwing a fit and stuff, like it's cool if it goes somewhere. I yeah, don't know if it's going to Yeah, and of course, Bailey and uh, Sasha both losing on the same night, so it kind of... Kind of kills the the whole momentum of their the whole heel run that they were building up there for me, and um, only just to kind of go back to status quo with Charlotte as champion ten times, Jeremy. Yep. Hooray! So Gable was backstage. He interviewed him, called called him short, and he said that Corbin was the one that came up short tonight, and he proved himself tonight that he's the bigger man. So of course, Baron Corbin beat the shit out of him. Hey, got his heat back. It's like an AEW show. I don't care. People are gonna be mad at me about that. So then we came to the main (laughs) event, Jeremy. The Universal Championship match inside the Hell in a Cell. The red Hell in a Cell. And we got crazy red lights during the whole match like it was a fucking Sin Cara match. Uh, I didn't mind that. I thought that little presentation gimmick was kind of cool. I wish they had just done that for the Balor thing. As well, because then at least you've established that, oh, hey, the, the Fiend has the this red light stuff. But, like, I didn't mind it. The crowd wasn't chanting that it was distracting or anything. So I, I thought it was, it was extremely fine magnanimous of Vince McMahon to put a AEW commercial on his Hell in a Cell pay-per-view broadcast. Because that's exactly what this match ended up being. <laughs> At the end of the day, The Fiend defeated Seth Rollins after 17 minutes and 20 seconds inside Hell in a Cell via a fucking disqualification. Yes, inside the Hell in a Cell, Jeremy. Yeah. A disqualification. The Fiend dominated most of the match. He did the whole neck snap spot like in a horror movie on Seth. Seth made a big comeback after the Fiend grabbed a Gallagher-approved sledgehammer and never really used it. Seth hit about 800 super kicks and blackouts for one counts at various times. Springboard knees, more super kicks and blackouts. Hit a pedigree. Then he started laying shit on the Fiend's face like chairs and ladders and was beating the shit out of him. Could only get a two count. And then he grabbed the Triple H sledgehammer. And the referee decided to have a monologue at this point. And he's like, Seth, 
Don't do it. This isn't you. This isn't who you want to be. And Seth Rollins said, fuck you, it is. And he hit him in the face with a bunch of shit on top of it. And he rang the bell for what is apparently a disqualification. Remind you again inside the Hell in a Cell. They did a DQ last year. I guess they did a no contest. So at least there's precedent for, killing for the fucking gimmick. doing a DQ inside. They killed this gimmick when they just decided to name a pay-per-view after it and they've done Hell in a Cell matches that shouldn't actually be Hell in a Cell matches. This was fucking stupid. Just the epitome of fucking stupid. You know, Rollins runs wild with these stomps and the crowd's booing. And then when Bray kicks out, like they cheer. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, like this is lasting too long. It reminded me of uh, Brett and Vince at WrestleMania when Brett just kept wearing him out with the chair. And it's like, uh, I know Vince isn't coming back, but like, can you just end this? Cause it's getting just uncomfortable and, and pointless and mundane. And like, that's what I felt as Rollins kept hitting these stomps. And then he, you know, hit him in the head with the chair while Bray was laying down. Then he put the head, put the chair over his head and smashed a ladder. And then he smashed a toolbox and then he was going for the sledgehammer. And all I'm thinking is like, if Bray just like kicks out of all this shit and then mandible claws them and Seth passes out, taps out, whatever, and wins. Like, it's just going to get a, a huge pop. Th- this is dumb as shit, but all the crowd wants to see is Bray win. So I- I'm fine with them doing all this stuff and then putting, like, Bray over as this huge monster because if he's going to kick out all this, like, that's going to just say, like, what the fuck do you have to do to beat this guy? Like, who can actually beat this guy? And at least the Undertaker beating him or something. But no, he hits him with the sledgehammer and he calls for a DQ and it's like, what, why is that a DQ? What? I, it didn't make any sense. The crowd rightfully shit on it. They, you know, they try to bring out a stretcher for the fiend. Then he pops up, he Rollins, he gives them the mandible claw and Rollins is coughing up blood and the crowd like kind of cheers. But then like, once the show was going off the air, they're booing again and chanting AEW. They chanted refund after the show went off the air and stuff. And it's just like they don't know what they're doing. This entire company does not know what they are doing. They have a self-made star in The Fiend. Like everything they've done with him has been great. And the problem is it's been so good that he's gotten himself over so quickly that they felt the need to rush him into this title match. But they didn't want to put the title on him because let's be honest, he doesn't need the title. And they didn't want to beat Seth Rollins because they've spent all year trying to build him up. So having him lose in his second big title defense doesn't seem like the best idea in the world. So they get out of it by doing this fuck finish that no one likes and... Yeah, and the, the crowd is chanting for the competitor, and they're they're chanting for a refund, and they like they've completely pissed off their entire fan base. I like, I feel I'm pretty forgivable with a lot of WWE stuff, and I feel like I'm generally more positive than a lot of people are. The, there's no defending this for me. This absolutely sucked, and no no one looks just, good coming uh, out of this. If I wasn't laughing so much i'd probably be extremely angry 
but unfortunately, I I talked about the possibility of this in the preview. They booked themselves into a corner by booking this match. They didn't want to end Seth's title run. They didn't want The Fiend to lose. So they booked just this horrible finish. And as you were talking about, like, maybe it's not so bad if The Fiend overcomes all that destruction, beats Seth, and looks like a monster. That's a totally different story. But you do a disqualification inside Hell in a Cell, which makes absolutely no sense to me. And then you do this disqualification, and then The Fiend just instantly gets his heat back afterwards. And the crowd was like, I love the fact that you know Seth Rollins, Mr. Best Wrestling on the Planet, Best Roster on the Planet, Nobody Can Beat Us on Twitter, is in this match that is just horrible. He's the baby face, and he's constantly getting booed, hitting all of his shit on The Fiend. I was laughing at that point. And then they do the horrible finish. And you're getting bullshit chants and AEW chants and refund chants. And all I could think of at the end of this was... It's it's a clusterfuck of Russo-led WCW proportions. Fucking up a gimmick match like this. Ruining characters. Like you said, nobody comes out of this looking good. Seth isn't a good champion. He's not a great babyface. The Fiend is just another guy. I don't care that he made the comeback at the end. He's a fucking guy. They kind of had something with him. He was interesting. The crowd really liked him. The crowd wanted him to win here. And then you just just bent it over and fucked it in the ass. you, You watch a show like this. The fact that there were only four matches announced going in. And then they threw a bunch of other random shit on there. And then they do this main event. And all I can wonder is like, does this company even care about their fan base? Do do they hate do do they hate their fans? No. Are they just content because they have billion dollar TV deals? We're just going to feed you all the bullshit you want. And that's exactly what it feels like. And honestly, if I wasn't getting fucking paid as part of my job to cover this shit, there's too much other good shit out there to fucking cover in 2019. I would love to cover But unfortunately, WWE is WWE. WWE is the biggest game in town. And we have to cover it. Now, obviously, not every WWE show is fucking horrific like this. And has a main event like this. But this was just next level bad, Jeremy. I don't see how anybody could take anything good out of it. Yeah, it's... You you did mention the possibility of a of a fuck finish because it should have been mentioned. They they this match should have never been booked. Honestly, this match should not have been booked. The Fiend did not need to be into the title picture immediately, despite how much um the the crowd loves him and everything. Like the crowd would keep keep loving him if he just kept doing one off appearances and, and kind of made the gimmick feel a little bit more special Rollins didn't need to lose the title so quickly after beating Brock Lesnar because you should build him up as a actual competent babyface champion and they they didn't do that the first time around they they did a better job of it so far in the second time around until they decided to stick him with the fiend and then yeah he's a, he's a scared babyface champion it's like all right uh, then sure 
that why should I get behind this guy? Like, okay, the fiend is scary. I don't want my champion being scared as shit of him. Um, and you know, they did it in the main event. You've got to do this in the first match. If you're going to do this and that way, by the end of it, people can look back. Like if you flip the, the two hell in a cell matches and you start with this, people are pissed off. They're rightfully pissed off. At least by the end of it, you're like, yeah, that was really dumb, that Fiend stuff. But hey, the women headline, Sasha and Becky fucking ruled. And, you know, that's what you're going home with. Instead, the whole crowd goes home with that. And of course, they're pissed off by that. Because why wouldn't they? Honestly, if you flip the Hell in a Cell matches, and then by the end of Roman and, and Brian, like the crowd is probably happy again, chanting yes and, and, you know, cheering the hug between Roman and Brian. And then you get to the end of the show. The crowd doesn't even remember the the fiend shit, and yeah, we're we're complaining about it. I'm gonna review it because it's still a stupid thing to book, but at least you did it early. You almost foreshadowed that hey, we're not gonna give you kind of what you want in this by doing it so early, and instead they like they that's the ending impression. You can't do that as an ending impression because that's what everyone remembers everyone remembers the ending when you walk out of a movie no matter how good a movie is what's the one thing you take from it exactly and again it's like this was just it ended up so horrific i i gave it a dud at the end again with the right finish again like you mentioned jeremy they were telling a fine story Either Seth could have overcame and defeated the monster, which, again, not idea because you're ruining The Fiend, or it's just The Fiend survives everything Seth has. The guy that beat Brock Lesnar, and then you're wondering after The Fiend wins, who the hell can beat this guy? So, they could have done something there. They could have really done something. But instead, they just went with the laziest fuck you finish they could think of. And it's just, it it's mind-boggling. I don't know how anybody can defend this. I don't know how anybody can think it was good. And I just, I, I laughed at the end. Because again, if it wasn't so sad, it's just so funny. Because you have fans that are just so upset. That they're chanting for refunds and bullshit and for AEW. Because they don't know what else to do at this point. They feel totally screwed over. And it's just, it's sad. It's so sad. This, this is where, this is where you just call an audible in, in the middle of the match when you hear the crowd booing for Rollins and you hear the crowd cheering when, when Bray kicks out on one. You call the audible, you have them do the sledgehammer shot, you, you have them raise the cage like don't call for the bell on the sledgehammer shot but that's the one part you you don't do don't call for the bell you raise the cage you do the whole stretcher thing you have rollins whatever doing his like concern look or whatever the fuck like he'd gone too far and then he stands over him bray does the mandible claw chokes him out rollins is bleeding and everything and rollins passes out and then the referee calls for the bell and says like that's it the fiend is the champion that's what you do that's how you call an audible and get out of this. But they, isn't that better? 
<laughs> like, doesn't that tell the same thing? Except you're putting the title on the fiend. Like, you're still sacrificing Rollins in the same way. He still looked like an idiot because he fucking is laid out at the end of the show. Now he just doesn't have the title with him anymore. Like, the title actually like means something, and that's why it wasn't necessary in this match. But call an audible when you hear the the crowd reacting the way they are during the match. And WWE doesn't know how to do that. They 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 And again, I mentioned this in the preview to talk that. too. Part of the problem with getting to this match was the fact that you had Brock come back and beat Seth. That never needed to happen. If you would have had Seth just win the title at Mania and he goes through and then all of a sudden this new monster arrives and the Fiend beats him, then it's fine. But like but like we talked about it's like they had the feeling that they couldn't beat Seth because he just beat Brock again. So again, you fucked yourself by your own short-sighted booking. Because you felt you needed a SummerSlam main event. So we'll just give Brock the title for like a month for reasons. And again, that goes back to... Well, the draft again, it goes back up, to the fact Larry. that Brock didn't need the fucking money in the bank either. Could have done so many more creative things, but... WWE booking themselves into a corner is something they do well, and their lack of ability to make real stars is something they unfortunately, unfortunately do really, really well. Because after this match, Jeremy, I mean, The Fiend isn't more over. Seth Rollins sure the fuck isn't over. He was getting booed. He's supposed to be your big top babyface. I mean, and then, like he's like I said, the fans, I mean... This was not like three people chanting for AEW and bullshit. This was an arena of pissed off fans that were extremely unhappy with this whole result at the end. And just generally a whole uninspired wrestling show that they were given. This sucked. This, This ending really sucked. And... There's no other way around it. I'm with you. It's sad. It's comical. Uh, we'll watch it all tomorrow because we yeah, have to. So, I mean, I just... It's sad, dude. And it's just... It's honestly just not worth getting upset over. Because it's... It's it's stupidity. I just... I, I laugh and I kind of feel bad for their stupidity. And yes, someone's going to come in the comment section and go, Yeah, it's so stupid that they have $2 billion in TV deals. They got those TV deals despite their own fucking stupidity. Vince McMahon is a... I guess he is a billionaire now. But... He's a one or a one billionaire instead of like a five billionaire. I don't know if that makes any sense. The CM Punk line is he's a he's a millionaire who should be a billionaire, but he's a billionaire now. But instead of having five billion dollars, he only has one billion dollars, or ten billion dollars, or a hundred billion dollars. Yeah, and I'm Still sure a he, again, Vince McMahon doesn't give a fuck of what we say. I'm sure he was happy. Goddamn, pal, we're making movies. Good shit. I don't know what they're doing anymore. I really don't. I don't. I don't know what this company does or is doing. When's the next Not Marine soon movie enough. coming I'd out? I'd rather review that than Hell in a Cell at this point. Talk about the Miz as a Marine. What else do we have uh, to talk I, about? I think Larry? that's really it for the night. Unfortunately, I mean, at the end on such a shitty note. But I mean, it's just uh. 
that's kind of the big stuff. We we gave some thoughts on the uh, the SmackDown on Fox debut, and you know we got the draft coming up starting on Friday. The good news is, Jeremy, we have the Wednesday shows coming up this week. So, yeah. Thank God. Thank God we have the Wednesday shows, and I'm sure, shit. AEW's viewership it might hit 2 million on Wednesday. That seems bold, but <coughs> I would honestly be shocked if it is not if it does not go up this week. Um the the general trend with television shows and and we've seen it with just about every single television show and we we saw it with NXT is it ticks down in the second week because that the curiosity factor is not there. Um by by week two or in week two and then maybe it, it builds up over time when people realize hey this is a good show but the you're usually in a peak with that week one premiere uh at least for the the start of things i would at this point be stunned if their viewership is not up yeah this week. um i i'd kind of laugh if it was i mean it'd be great for them don't get me wrong but i would laugh because it's like if people got frustrated with this and tuned in it's like it goes back to what I said during the ratings podcast. AEW is only here because WWE and all these other companies left holes open for a company like this to get made. Because fans were upset with other companies. Because ROH isn't that company that delivers the great matches every weekend that people talk about. Our, you know, um, Impact failed to become that that um, alternative that everybody want. And WWE, even though they tried to kind of create like their own super indie with NXT, failed to fill that gap enough and make people happy. And when you do stuff like tonight, you're just opening that door further. I mean, you might as well kick the door open for people to like build up a fan base that are frustrated with you. I just... Yeah. Embarrassingly bad. The they can't get they can't get out of their own way. Like it, we've discussed it before, but AEW wouldn't exist if it wasn't for just the comedy of unforced errors that WWE has had over the last decade. And tonight is another one. And for all this talk of you know we're raising our game because AEW's in town and we're doing this and doing that and you know they make these cosmetic changes to to make you think that they're actually going to change it's the same bullshit they've always done and it just looks worse even now because we know there's like a good alternative we whether it be nxt or aew like there are good alternatives out there and there are good alternatives on cable television so why should i watch raw or smackdown other than i have to for our, our jobs um but in raw and smackdown the the shitty part is like Raw and SmackDown have been on the whole good as of late. The the pay-per-views are generally good. This was just this was the biggest hottest thing you had going and you completely fucked it up. It, maybe it's a Bray Wyatt thing. They just don't know what to do with this guy and he, he's too creative for his own good. Apparently it's all Bray's so, fault. That's yeah, what I just decided. uh a horrible horrible way to end this show. And it's just um you know, we kind of joked about it being like December to this member. People were like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. And well, it, 
It wasn't. I, I mean, well, it was by the end, but I, I told I didn't have a problem with them announcing three and then four shows after the SmackDown show or matches because. All right, did did any match they announced really add something when you saw like the Kabuki Warriors are challenging for the women's titles where you're like, oh, now I really have to watch this pay-per-view? Like, probably not. You were tuning in beforehand or you weren't. I'd, I, I kind of wish they would do some of this stuff like more often, but if you're going to do this stuff, like you, your four top matches that you've announced have delivered, your first two did. And then your third one was kind of flat and, and uninspired because you're just going back to Charlotte Flair. And then your fourth one just completely just turned off so many viewers. I, I'm interested to see the ratings for Raw tomorrow as well because I want to know if people have just truly completely given up on this nonsense or if there's still just the, the car crash theory of – I have to tune in now to see how they make sense probably, of all this It probably bullshit. won't be down much, if down at all, even with Monday Night Football, because you know WWE t- traditionally gets a post-pay-per-view bump, plus they're coming off of the SmackDown on Fox. I know, yeah, but, but there, are, there are people that don't watch the, the, the pay-per-view Smack- that just watch TV and stuff, so they'll, they'll be interested to see what happened at the pay-per-view, and unfortunately it wasn't good. So... The SmackDown thing I buy a little bit more is because you had nearly 4 million people watch that show, even though they didn't even like promote Raw heavily. Um, like people still know it's it's on Mondays at 9. Like, I don't think watching SmackDown, it's not like a new wrestling fan was watching that. I think it was just old fans tuning in to, to see what they were doing. Like anyone who watched that SmackDown show probably knows there's wrestling nine o'clock or eight o'clock on USA network because it's been that way for years now. And it's, you know, nine or nine o'clock for decades now. So maybe the SmackDown boost peaked curiosity a little bit, especially if, if Brock is going to end up showing up, which I don't know if he is or not. But if you watched the pay-per-view or heard about the pay-per-view, I guess if you heard about it, maybe you want to tune in out of general curiosity. If you watched it, though, like why would you watch Raw? Why would you want to just keep I watching no this idea, product? Jeremy, but it's a, it was a show that happened that ended horribly. Like I said, it was lovely of Vince to put on an AEW commercial and the main event of Hell in a Cell. Yeah, I mean, Nick Jackson took to Twitter and was like, "Hey, we got a new show Wednesday at eight on TNT." Yeah, I'll I'll fucking watch that, and I'll watch uh, NXT because those promotions are good and don't insult my intelligence, which is what yeah. this. And again, we don't know how did. long the Wednesday nights are going to be like as great as last week. Because last week was great. But I'll tell you what, I'm way more interested in Wednesday Night Wrestling than anything else right now. The ending to shows this week was super weird if you look back on it. Like Monday, you had Lana and Lashley make out as Rusev stood there dumbfounded. Wednesdays, you had Jake Hagar in his big debut. You had Ciampa, which was awesome. By far the best ending of a show they did this week. Friday was was Kane's big debut and Brock running scared from him. And then tonight was, was this mess. So ending of shows have 
not been a, a specialty this week, as good as this week is, has actually been on the whole. How things have ended has have certainly divided a lot of people. Like the only one that received very positive reviews was was Champa for obvious reasons. Every other ending, people either just outright hated it or were just kind of bull, uh, bearish on it. Um, would would be the the marketplace turn. They were a little bit bearish on it or kind of split on it. I, I think a lot of people were split on the Hagar stuff and, and, and split on the Kane stuff. And most people hated the, the Lana Lashley yeah, and, and it was this definitely an interesting week, but, uh, Jeremy, we will be back Thursday to record our Wednesday night wars podcast. Uh, we will also preview the new Japan King of pro wrestling show coming up next Monday. Got it's a big show. And, uh, because you love it, Jeremy, we're going to preview an ROH show for this weekend, too. But there's... What, what ROH Honor, show is there? Jonathan the Gresham and Alex Shelley, the semifinals and finals of the number one contenders mat, uh, tournament. Roosh facing a mystery opponent from a battle royal. The cheeseburger is going to win that battle royal. Yes, I already Kenny have King, him Is Kenny win. King in the battle royal? <laughs> All right. Then, yeah, he's fucking going to win the battle royal then. This, this sounds terrible. Okay, well, you know what? I'll give ROH a chance. I'm sticking by my no talking about the women of honor because they that that's worse than WWE. But... Uh, I'm co-opted by ROH and Shane Taylor Promotions now. ROH, let's go. Gonna Saturday. put on a banger. When when's the show? Friday, Saturday. So. Gonna put so, on yeah, a banger. We'll be on back Saturday. Thursday, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and if you have a chance. And thank you guys for reading. We gra- or listening. We greatly appreciate it.